Hello and welcome to Coffee with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Mama. I am truly so excited for today's guest. Mike Fannin is possibly one of the most fascinating human beings I've had the privilege of speaking to in a very, very long time. Mike is the founder of Carrick Wealth, which is one of the fastest growing financial advisory firms in Africa. He also runs multiple other businesses, but outside of his incredibly successful business portfolio, what really gets me about Mike is the person he is. So if you like this podcast, as usual, like, share, and subscribe. And without further ado, I was so <laughs> nervous. I was like, no, I've been so excited for this. There is not going to be a typical bitch. No, I refuse. <laughs> no stress. No stress. All good. We're on. So we're rocking and rolling. Oh, how good, are good. you, Mark? Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just cranking away. Um, you know, life is busy. Um, we, we've got so many things that are on and moving it and so many projects, but it's, um, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be around and alive. You know, um, oh. life is full of challenges and challenges make things exciting. Oh, I love that you say that actually, because, okay, firstly, I want to thank you because I know how busy you are. Like when you said, yes, I was so honored because I was, <laughs> I was kind of like, Hey, will you be on my podcast? And then I kept on following up with these WhatsApps. <laughs> When you said yes, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, totally cool. Eh? Very, very, very cool. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank you. And you, you actually touched on something where you were speaking about challenges, right? And we are living yeah. in a challenging yeah. time right now. And yeah. so when yeah. I was preparing for our interview, obviously I, I consumed like all information about Mike Fannin online. Um, so okay. not in a stalkerish way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But one of the interviews you did, I think it was with Vusi Tembequayo, you were speaking about, yeah. you know, how this COVID time is actually a time of challenge, but it's exciting. Yeah. And when you said the yeah. word exciting, yeah. I was like, huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so have you th always thrived in like, you know, situations like this? Have you always been someone who looked for challenge? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I work best under pressure. You know, I think that there's, a, there's, a, there's an old saying, what makes a diamond? It's time and pressure. And um, I find that when there's situations which are challenging, demanding, um, you, know, you feel like you can't be, that's, it brings the best out of people because, you know, you've got nowhere to go. You know, the first thing that people forget is, you know, when those situations happen, you come through that, they say, oh, it's so fantastic. Look what you did. You're going, didn't do anything. You had nowhere to go. You know, your back's against the wall. And that brings up everything you've got. You know, you, you can either curl up and die or you can come out fighting. So I, I kind of thrive on those because, you know, they, 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 it, it accesses parts of me that are, that are not always there, that I'm not always aware of, that I'm not always used to. And um, as a result, I get to find out things about myself that are sometimes quite exciting. So COVID for me was, you know, everybody had, there was, it was just this massive meltdown that's been scary and it's been horrible and it's been terrible. People have lost jobs, people have lost lives. But in the same breath, it's the all-time greatest time in the world to reset yourself. Because it's the biggest it's the biggest excuse ever. You can say, right, I'm resetting COVID. Get rid of everything you didn't want to do. Get rid of all the rubbish in your closet and start fresh. It's, so it's, it's the best time in the world to say, hey, I'm just going to start again. Because, you know, nobody's going to blame you. Nobody's going to ask any questions. Nobody's going to point a finger at you if you fail. You can take all those risks. It's, it's, it's just this, it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card without anybody pointing fingers at you. So I found it very exciting. You know, we started two new, three new businesses during COVID. Um, and we just sort of thought, you know, let's just go for it. You know, what's worse that can happen? They're closed. Okay. Well, we tried. Mm, I love that. I love that. And that's such a specific mindset to have, Mike. And so I almost yeah. like wonder, is this a mindset you've always had, like since you've been you? Or is this something that you've accumulated over time? Um, for me, it's. I think it's always, I mean, I... I I think about, you know, when my career started, I left South Africa in 97 after getting my degree and I went to London and I lasted at my first job in London was with the investment banks. And I lasted, I think, nine months working for these banks. And I just thought, oh, I don't want to do this for a living. This is not good. It's bad for your soul. And I started my first business there. And, you know, starting a business in London at a time when London was firing on all cylinders. You know, it was, it was, it was really the heart of a massive economic boom. We were coming up to the, the tech boom was happening, 98, 99, 2000. Um, so there was so much happening. It was, it was challenging. And as a result, um, you know, I went through some really, really rough times. You know, I always, you know, people always say, oh, you know, you're lucky you're an entrepreneur. I always tell the story. I, 
I was sitting having lunch on Trafalgar Square with a client. And as I was sitting there, you know, we had this business suite started and I poured everything I had into it. And I'm running through in my head the numbers. I realized at that point, I have no more money, but no more money. There's no credit cards that are going to work. There's nothing. I actually can't pay for lunch. So I'm sitting there with this guy and I say, look, you know, you, you go off. I've got to meet another client and, um, you know, I'll, I'll pick up lunch. I have to phone a friend to come down and pay for my lunch. And that was, you know, that was that moment where you can either, you know, curl up in a corner or, you know, I'm going to come out fighting. And that happened, you know, London was, there was a lot of those sort of experiences that I, you know, I got, I got, I got, I got beaten a lot. And as a result of it, 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 it built this desire always when the chips are down to come out guns blazing as hard as possible. And I think that's where it mostly comes from. You know, it's that just you know, I never say die, you know, and almost I get excited about it. I get excited about those challenges, like I said, because they bring out a, a quite interesting part of me, which I, I quite like. Oh, and it actually speaks to the quotes I discovered that I think were on your Facebook page. And one of them yeah. is Winston Churchill. I am the master of my yeah. fate. I am the captain of my soul. I think I said William that. Ernest, William, William Ernest Henley. Oh. William Ernest Henley. It's my favorite poem of all times. It's a poem called Invictus. And um, if you read the whole poem, it's actually quite dark, mm. you know, and, you know, um, it, it really talks to, you know, being completely beaten down, you know, I, I, I I can't even remember the exact terms, but it talks about the 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 the, the how, you know being bludgeoned, bloodied, but unbowed, and and that kind of concept of just saying you know no matter what happens, no matter what it throws at me, I'm not going down, I'm not going to go down, and I think it comes down to you know in in, in business or in life, you know I have a, a great friend who has a, a saying. He always said, you know, people and things only have the power over you that you give them, and if you think about that, you know, that you give them, and I don't give that power to anybody. You know, I'm not going to give that away. I'm not going to give them that right to make me feel beaten, downtrodden, not good enough to anybody. You know, that, that's my choice. And the second you have that, my power, I choose, changes the whole dynamic altogether. Oh, but I'm sure there are days, Mike, like when you, you know, I mean, you, your mind is clearly very powerful. But aren't there days where you just feel like, Today's just a rough day, and you just want to curl up yeah. in that corner and be like, yeah. "No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah." But but you know what? Here's the thing. You know, there's um there's a great uh, thing. You know, people talk about on days when you take and you just cut off. They say, "Oh, you've been selfish," and selfish is just a terrible term that you know society started putting on people when they took time for themselves. And I don't believe in selfish. I believe in self care. And I think in order to be able to go out and go to battle, sometimes you've got to have a day where you say, you know what, today's just not the day. Today's actually not the day. I'm going to have a self-care day. I'm not going to go to war today. I'm going to put the battle shield down. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to order a pizza. I'm going to watch some television. And I'm just going to reset. I'm just going to recharge. I'm going to read a good book. I'm not going to think about business. I'm not going to do any personal growth things. I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm just going to have a day where I just reset. And those are good. You need them. You know, there's... When they say, like, I do a lot of training and that sort of thing, and the most important part of training is rest. You don't rest. You don't grow. So, you know, if you think of all that sort of thing, that, that, that day where you say, you wake up one day and you think, oh, you know, today is not it. You know, sometimes listen to your body. Maybe your body's saying, hey, you know what, today isn't it. Today you need to take a rest. And then do it, you know, and, and, and delve into that. Delve into that self-care process and, you know, grow. Oh, that's powerful. I think that is so. And when you were speaking about training, because I know you compete in high endurance, you know, com competitions like the Ironman, mm. which takes a lot. So, I mean, that I want to actually speak about that like a little bit later in the interview. But I think when you speak about rest, that is so powerful, right? Because I think in today's society of hustle, 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 I think we end up beating yeah. to burnout. And then I think recuperating and recovering from setback almost becomes that yeah. much harder, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're, we're, we're conditioned not to show that we get hurt, that we get knocked down, that we're tired. You know, we, we, we're taught that that's something you shouldn't do. And, um, you know, I think you should. You know, I think it's, it's more than okay. It's actually necessary. It's actually a, a vital part of your growth process. You know, it's, it's your breathing. You don't always just breathe in. You've got to breathe out. Okay, there's, there's a balance. There's a you know, in nature, it's all about balance. There's a symbiosis between all things. So you can't just go, 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 go. You've got to have an off time. And, um, you know, you'll see over and over again, you know, your, the guys, I mean, my age, I'm in my late 40s. This is when I have mates now who are having heart attacks and mm. getting into real trouble because they just won't stop going. 
you know they, they they devote everything in one angle and they just won't won't take a foot off every now and again and that that that's where it's going to catch you hmm. and Mike going back I really want to go back to like teenage Mike you know going into this yeah big big world right when did you decide that okay. business was for me like was this something that you always kind of <laughs> knew that I want to be independent and work for myself or was this something no. that came as you were like you know going through university um so it's a indulge me it's, it's quite an interesting story i started university studying law because everyone said you know you're a talker and you can argue be a lawyer and after a year i found out that law was about paperwork and i hate paperwork so i dropped out of my first degree at university and i opened a clothing shop and i used to sell clothing and then i had a nightclub and then i decided to you know use what god gave me and i became a bouncer and a bodyguard that was my profession so I'd given away everything in terms of careers and everything. And the one night I was standing at the door of a nightclub and a guy came up and spoke to me. We started chatting. He eventually said to me, he said, why are you here? I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't belong at this door. I said, well, thank you. It's quite... He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to come to my house on Wednesday and I, you need to bring a bottle of whiskey and I'm going to judge you on that whiskey. He said, so if you buy the most expensive one, I'm going to think you're an idiot. If you buy the cheapest one, I'm going to think you're cheap. So you've got to, you've got to think about it. I said, okay. I'll buy it. And off I go, and I arrive at this guy's house, and I walk in, and he's got a cigar for me and a whiskey, and I'd never had a cigar. This was exciting. I was 21. And it turns out this guy was an ex-Wall Street trader. He'd been on Wall Street during the heyday from 84 right through to 93 and lived this incredible life. And that entry fee of a whiskey and a cigar, we would sit every Wednesday night, and he would tell me the stories of this, this amazing life. And it's just, it's, it, you, know, you, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, and those stories are far stranger. And eventually, after three months of this, I said, why are you telling me this? He said, because at the end of this year, you're going to start, you're going back to university, you're going to double major in accounting and economics, and then after that, you're going to London. And I said, what do you mean? He said, that, that's what you should be doing, so that's what you're going to do. I said, okay, cool, let me do that. And that was where it all changed. You know, I had somebody who believed in me and said, you know what, I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a push. And that literally, it was, it was, it was a change of everything. Until then, I had no direction. That is a great story. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And I love it because it really, I don't know if you've ever read like The Hero's Journey um, by Joseph Campbell and basically speaks about like how the hero starts and where, you know, he has this downfall and then how he comes up again. Um, and I think yeah. for me, your story touches on so many of those points, right? Because looking at you today in today's context, it's easy to be like, oh, Mike just looks like someone who always knew. He always knew. He just yeah. had that conviction yeah. of knowing and just knowing yeah. that you bumped into someone. But also you made the decision to go. You could have just decided not to go, right? You could have been like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm not going to go buy a bottle of whiskey for this guy, <laughs> you know? And so you so there's, 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 two, there's two great things there. Number one, you never know. I'm 48 years old. I still don't know. Okay, because you know what, tomorrow is different and there'll be a new thing tomorrow and there'll be a new change, there'll be something new and exciting and I'll probably have a new career in two years again. I don't know, but you never know, this is me. Mm. What you've got to do is you've got to be open to the signals that say, hey, here's an opportunity. So you've got to be looking at all times. You've always got to be open to it. And what I always say, I always liken it to having you know, pots of, have you ever percolated coffee? So if you put a whole lot of pots of water on the wall and you drop a bean into each one, and you watch them. You don't influence them. You don't try to put yourself onto it. You just sit back and you watch. And some will start to percolate. And those are those ideas you start to look at a little bit closer. Some start to brew really good coffee. Those are the ones you start taking meetings with and listening to people and delving into. But you watch all 100 pots. Okay? Some of them won't do anything. And you go, okay, that one wasn't for me. And you leave it alone. But, that, but always be open to those, Jeff, because that's, that's life. You know, I've lost count of the, the careers I've had, the chances I've had, the businesses I've had. It hasn't always been one thing. And at different times, I've wanted to do different things and have explored that, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Mm. But, you know, that's, we, that's what we're here to do. You know, we're here to explore ourselves, I think. That's my opinion. You know, that, that's kind of what the whole point is. Otherwise, why? You know, sitting one job, punching a spreadsheet, I, I, I can't. But what do you think keeps people away from looking at these different opportunities? Because I think what you're saying is so powerful, but so many people don't do it right? Is it a specific skill set or like is there a thing that keeps yeah. people from doing that? It's a thing that stops us doing everything. It's fear. You know, everything that we do is, 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 is curtailed by fear. The reason that you forget your career, the reason you don't go and buy a drink for the beautiful girl at the bar, fear. 
The reason you don't pick up the phone and phone that person who said, phone me, I've got an opportunity for you. Fear, I'm not going to be good enough. I'm going to be rejected. I'm not going to be the person that, you know, in your partner, don't tell your partner what you're thinking because you're worried they're not going to like you. They're not going to think you're good enough. They're going to judge you. Fear, 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 fear. And if, again, so come back to this, the power that we give, give fear that power and you're done. You know, that's it. So you, and I'm not saying I've got it right because I haven't. I fight it every single day. But if you consciously say to yourself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, you know, God, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Go out there in the in sense of fear. That's when you're in a good place because you're going to grow. Okay? You're going to grow. You're going to learn something. I don't know if it's going to work out, but you're going to learn something. Oh, I love that. And I love you saying, do it anyway. Because the amount of times I'll hear people saying to me, like, I want to do this, but I, I'm still afraid, so I'm not going to do it. And I always yeah. think to myself, if it means that much to you, you will always be afraid. Yeah. And therefore, it means you yeah. will never, ever do it, right? Totally, totally. So is this? Okay. Even more so. Go yeah. on, sorry, Mike. Carry on. No. But even more so, you know, is, is imagine that fear. Think of the short fear, okay, of not doing it now. Imagine mm -hmm. the fear of spending the rest of your life wondering, what if? You know, the whole, for the, you wake up for the next 20 years saying, I should have gone and bought that bottle of whiskey for that guy. You know, and I'm still standing punching people at the door of a nightclub. That's where I was, you know. So, you know, that that, that, that would have been a fear. You know, the fear of all, all the stuff. And, you know, if, I, I got lucky. I got given some great talents. Imagine wasting those. Imagine never finding out. You know, that, that Muhammad Ali, it's my favorite saying, I'll show you how great I am. Just find out how great you are. Find out what you got. You know, so take all those things you're talking about. Getting yourself under pressure and learning because pressure brings out the best in you. Not giving away the power to other people and doing it afraid. Now you're onto something interesting. Hmm. Wow. So when you look at like your career trajectory so far and you look at, you know, where yeah. you started, you know, thinking you were going to be a lawyer and being like, nope, the nightclub, you know, the yeah. clothing store, yeah. the bounce, like yeah. bouncing yeah. the club. Yeah. What do you feel was yeah. the common thread for you in all those businesses? Do you feel like there was something that you consistently had throughout all of them? Yeah, I can't work for people. Um, I, I can't. Um, I, it's not that I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I have a problem with authority, but I'm, I'm really arrogant. So <laughs> I struggle to listen to, you know, I've got to make the mistakes myself. You know, I have, a, I have a great business partner who laughs. He always says I'm the hardest person he's ever had to work with. But it's because he gives me a, a space to go and explore. And every now and again, you'll see me shoot you off an angle and go, hey, Mark, no, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Come back, you know. But, I, but it's, it's that. It's not being microed. It's not being squashed. And that's, that's, I can't. So I've always been in my own businesses because I can't be managed. You know, I just, I just struggle with it so, so much. Um, it's just not me, you know. And I, and I, but that, that's who I am. You know, I, 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 I don't need that, that, that in my life. Oh, that's great. But I love that you're so self aware. <laughs> like, yeah. You have to be. <laughs> no, but again, again, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, you know, it, it's, it's, there's, there's parts of me that I accept who I am, you know, and, and, and I've, I've learned that through many trial and errors and those sort of things. And there are places that I still want to be better and places that I want to change. But I also know there's some pretty much base character traits that, you know, I'm so stubborn. So, you know, I'm, that's not going to change in a hurry as much as I'd like to. And if I try and change it, I'm probably going to be unhappy. So I'd rather try and find an environment and work in a space that works to my strengths. You know, we've got, you know, what's what the, 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 what the Bible says, three score and 10, it's 70 years. That's it. Okay, so if I waste it, if I waste it in any way, shape or form, you know, what am I going to do? I'm trying to put myself the square peg into a round hole. Just don't do it. And that's the thing. That's what most of us do. Back to that fear. We pick somewhere that's safe and secure, that doesn't challenge us, doesn't grow us. And, you know, we spend the rest of our lives wondering what if. And I, I just find that sad. You know, like I want to cry when I see people sitting there. So I'd have to think, oh, come on, man. Just just go do something different. Just mm -hmm. read that different book. Do, do a breathing exercise in the morning that'll change the way you think when you go to work. Just do that. Can you imagine what 20 minutes of a meditation would do? Or go for that walk to lose that weight. Or whatever, but do something, you know, instead of sitting in that rut. So it seems as though from the undertones of our conversation, it feels as though you're yeah. someone who has a belief in something. I don't know if that is spirituality, religion, a higher being of some sort. Am I getting it correctly? Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's definitely something bigger than me. 
Um, <laughs> I think, Are you sure? you know, I always, no, I'm always kidding. Said, yeah. <laughs> um, I said, my, my thing's always been, if I look at the, you look at the expanse of the universe and just how big it is, I think it's naive to believe we're the only things there. And I also think it's naive to believe we're the smartest. So, you know, what that is, what that greater power looks like and how you define it, you know, that's, 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 I think to me, that's everybody's personal journey, you know, and, um, you know, you've got to come good with that. At the end of the day, you're the only person who's going to be answering for it. So, mm. you know, you've got to be at a place where you're comfortable and good. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a, a, a higher, higher power than me. But I think my duty to that is, is to whatever gifts I got given to utilize those and live with them, mm. you know, um, that that that's 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 the the trade-off. You get given this thing, you say, "Here's this great earth. There's all this opportunity and fun. Use what you were given. Don't waste it." Yeah, using what? Because I think you're going to get asked. Yeah. You're going to be made accountable at some stage. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of I don't know if you know the speaker Les Brown, and he basically has this talk whereby he speaks about you know when you're lying on your deathbed in a hospital. And he says, then yeah. all these ghosts start to visit you and the ghost of yeah. writing your yeah. book, yeah. the ghost yeah. of, you know, and he yeah. speaks about like, yeah. what are you going to answer to them? They when all of them yeah. say, but yeah. you had us in your hands. Like, why didn't yeah. you yeah. utilize yeah. us, you know? Yeah. And, I think- and, 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 and resonate with that. Just sit with it. I mean, that, that just brings like, I get a cold shiver. That's a dread. You know, I'll give you one. I used to play a lot of piano when I was a kid. Like, and I, and I, and I was pretty good. And one of my things recently, I've got this driving urge to go and buy a piano and start playing again because it's, it's, a, it's a gift I'm not using. And it's bothering me more and more and more and more because it just sits there going, you know, you can do this. And I'm going, yeah, yeah okay, let's go buy a piano. <laughs> but that's it. It sits there. And that, that for me right now, that would be something standing at the edge of the bed going, hey, what did you do with it? Wow. Wow. So, Mike, I – you know, you have a lot of talents, right? You you know these expertise and skills you you gifted in, I would say. Some people will say, well, I've just got so many gifts, Mike. Where on earth do I start? Like, I don't know where to start. Maybe I should be a piano player. Maybe I should be this. You know, what do you say to people like that? doesn't matter. Just start. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, that it, it, what most people do is they say, I don't know where to start. And that's the biggest excuse ever. Just start, you know? Just put one foot in front of the other, and you'll find that something didn't work. Okay, well, then do another. Try something. Find something you can be one of them that you'll flip there and think, I'd really like to do that. Go and do it. Mm. But, you know, it's it, there's a million reasons we can say why not, except for the one big reason why. And that's the only one that really matters. Oh, it really is. That's you know, it's, 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 it's just sitting there and it's staring you in the face, going, Here, I pick me. Hmm. I don't know. Wow. And I watched one of your interviews and you were speaking about, you know, you have one of the fastest growing financial advisory firms in Africa, right? Carrick Wealth. And so you were speaking about like getting into wealth. You really wanted to help people. You wanted to help people, you know, get around their financial lives. Uh, Is that still a passion of yours? Is that still something that drives you today? Yeah. I mean, when we set Carrick up, our goal was to change the face of financial services in Southern Africa. And, you know, we were, at the end of last year, we were announced as the best advisory firm in South Africa, which has just happened in six years. And it's because we've had this driving passion not to only manage better, but to to do it better, to reconnect people with money, to get them past all these things that they're so scared of. You know, I, I always say to people, they spend 365 days a year making their money, and most of them won't spend four hours a year managing it because they're just scared of it. You know, the numbers scare them, the concepts scare them. So we, we really wanted to break that down. And it's a, it's a massive goal still. You know, I still do educational chats with youngsters, 21, 22, 23 years old, fresh out of varsity. We would just talk about the concept of money because mm-hmm. nobody teaches it. Nobody te- talks about, you know, what is this thing you should be doing, Sadie? How should you start? And, and all these different bits and pieces. So we really have tried to do that and to make it something where, you know, we have a concept we call hospitality in our business where the sense that the experience of our company must be like that of a concierge desk, where you actually feel like not only are you taken care of, but you're learning and you're, you're connected. You actually want to be here. You know, I want my clients to go, yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to carry today. I've got a meeting today. That, that's how excited they should be because they're getting, you know, they're managing the money. Things are happening and you know, their lives going the way it should. That's hopefully what we're going to try and deliver, what we are delivering. Oh, that's powerful. And congratulations. I mean, that's such a Thank high you. accolade, right? That's incredible. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it doesn't, I mean, for anyone who's listening to this interview, I don't think it's shocking after everything we've discussed that you would get like one of the best, you know, awards <laughs> because they're like, yeah, I'd, I'd bet on Mike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, no, look, it's, it's a, but it's a passion of all of ours. And I've got, you know, we're lucky that we're, that our company has passionate people mm. um, who, you know, have these driving desires to, to do something and to do things that are different. You know, we we just opened up in the UK now. We have a UK branch, and it's from one of our people said, you know what, a lot of our people are moving back. I'm going to go there. You know, we had a lot of clients who were British who were living in South Africa and moved back to the UK. Said, I'm going to go take care of them. And off she went. We now have a branch, and it's up and running. So there's, you know, so people are really passionate about doing this thing, and that's I'm, I'm very blessed to be surrounded by people like that and work with them. Oh, I love that. And you mentioned that you you give talks or, you know, you help uh, facilitate conversations with like 21-year-olds, yeah. you know, people that are still young and starting their financial journey. What do you think is yeah. the biggest problem people that are starting in their careers make once they start making money? Well, there's a belief that tomorrow never comes. Um so you know what I, 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 I'm going to go out tonight because tomorrow never comes. I can go, I just have a pizza tonight and I'll start saving tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes. And you know you wake up and you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 50, and you know all those days in between were great fun, but they're gone. And it's not that difficult to get yourself in a position in life where you've provided enough to make sure that you're going to be taken care of. And it's a scary. I mean, this is my pet. You know, there's a. There's a statistic that says out of 28-year-olds today, okay, one in 100 will be able to take care of themselves in retirement. Three will be living with friends and family. 27 will be dead, funny enough, which is quite scary. But the rest will be in very deep trouble. And that, that's, that's horrifying. You know, you're talking about a lot of people who are going to be starving, we don't have the facilities in this country, unfortunately, where we can take care of people like that. We can't help, you know, if you haven't any money, you're on your own. And, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us to try and teach people that if you start now, start early and get cracking, then it's actually not a problem. You've just got to chip away and get it done. Mm. But this instant gratification, say, you know, I'd rather buy an iPhone or whatever it is, instead of putting that cash, that's where you're going to run into trouble. So we hopefully try and help people to get past that and educate them through that. Mm. Geez, and those statistics are actually quite scary when I think about them. And I think it's also, um, is it a quote that goes something like, you know, people underestimate what they can uh, achieve in a year and overestimate what they can achieve in five years, right? And I think it yeah. comes down to money as well. I think we always projecting into the future. Like, yeah, no, five yeah. years from now, be financially stable. 10 years from now, 15 yeah. years from now. And we make terrible yeah. financial decisions as we're living and making money, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember uh, my, the, the, the example I always like to give is, you know, my, my brother, you know, he's got this little, he lives in Ireland, but it's the same anywhere. So, you know, on Friday nights, they have pizza night. And pizza night, they make their own pizzas. So here's the difference. If I was going to buy four pizzas for a family in South Africa, I'm probably going to pay, what, 100 bucks a pizza or whatever. That's 400 rand. If I buy the makings or something like that, I'm probably going to get it in maybe 120, 130 rand if I buy some bases and bits and pieces. So we're talking about 280 bucks saved times by four, you know, we're up to 1,000 bucks a month times by 12, 12,000 rand a year, plus the compounding fact of interest. You know, 10 years, we had 120,000 rand, but it's compounded. If you're earning around 7% a year, you're going to get up to probably around three, 400 grand, maybe a little bit less, 300 grand, let's call it. But, you know, that's, just not buying pizza, okay? What happens if I cycle to the shop instead of going on my car? What happens if I, it's just those little bits and pieces. You start to look for the little bits of chips and changes that you can take off and there's plenty for everybody. Hmm. That's where you start to make the difference. And yeah, you know what? Right now in South Africa, it's really tough. It's all well and good. Me sitting here saying, yeah, I've got a good earning job and all those bits and pieces. And a lot of people say, I don't know what I, but you, you, the fact is wherever you're at, you can either stand there and say, hey, you know what, I can't, or you, you can you can try. Mm. And you have to try because there's no pension fairy coming when you turn 65. Oof. Nobody's going to come wave a wand and say, here you go. It's, if you, it, it, that doesn't exist. So if you don't do that, if you don't make that effort, let's say you only get halfway there. You're still halfway further than you would have been. Mm. And it's it's imperative that people make this choice within themselves. I, I, it's my 
my my pet fear in terms of people when I meet them is is, is their, their pensions and their savings. That that's where it's going to catch them. Everything else you can kind of sort out. Mm. But um, when you're retired, you know most companies have a 65 cutoff. You turn 65, you're automatically retired. Go and try and get a job in South Africa now as a 65 year old. You know, go knock on a door and say, "Hi there, I'm 65. I'd like I'd like to work for you." They go, no ways, no ways. Go and try and get a loan from the bank saying, "I want to start a new business." You know, that's a scary place to be. Oof. I mean, when yeah. you break it down like that and you speak about, yeah, because I'm thinking like you're speaking about a box of pizza, right? And I think it is those small transactions we make on a day to day, like, oh, you know, getting a Starbucks coffee instead of making coffee at home, um, you know, deciding to eat this out versus making it yeah. um, within your own yeah environment and I yep. don't think you see it especially I think when you're in your 20s you know early 30s you're just kind of swiping away just swipe 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 you know yeah because because that's the thing and you and you're and you're you're coded by society by Instagram and everything to tell you that you know you, you've got to live in this instant gratification world where you get it now you know people don't save mm. you know when I say save like you know say hey you know I, I want that phone or whatever it is, okay? So it's going to cost 14,000 Rand. So I'm going to save up. It's going to take me 18 months to save for my next cell phone. That's what most people should, that's what it's going to take them usually. You're talking about seven, 800 Rand a month. Mm. It's a lot of money for most people. Who saves? No, no, I'll put it on my credit card. On your credit card, you're going to pay what, 22% interest on that? Mm. If you can pay it back. So so that, that sense of saying, hey, you must have it now, buy it now, that's where you're going to run into trouble. And if, you, if you've got a situation where you've started a saving system where it comes off your salary automatically, beginning of every month, that two, three hundred, maybe a thousand rand is gone. Then you know what? If you find a way to go do all those other things within it, I don't mind. As long as your savings part is done, have as much fun as you want. But it's when that part hasn't been put aside, that's when you're going to run into trouble, yeah. I believe, I think. Well, I mean, it's powerful, Mike. And I also think that, you know, at least in my family, I can only speak from a personal perspective. But, I mean, we weren't taught, like, money health or, you know, saving or, you know, waiting. Like, that's another thing. We yep. weren't taught to wait, right? Yep. You ask and you receive yep. or you for it and you just buy it. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are in that situation where you start making money, but no one actually has, like, someone who says, okay, you've just started making your first 10,000 rand a month. This is how you use it. Yeah. Right, you think to yourself, yeah. "Oh, I'm yeah. making ten thousand rand a month. Okay, now I can afford." Like the first thing that went through my mind when I started making money was all the things I could afford. It was like, "Okay, great, yeah. now I can afford." Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. da. And then for a while, I actually, would go into these cycles of like ten thousand was no longer enough because I needed to make more money, you know, because I was buying yeah. more things. And I'd assume. Let me ask you a question, Candice. Yeah, of course. I'm going to ask you one question: Could you afford it, or could you afford the debt to buy it? Oof. That's a good question. You see, I didn't even think of that. Like, I was just like, well, it's money. Yeah. You know? So that's. You know, if you could afford it, you could buy cash. That's when you can afford it. Ah. Uh, you know? Uh, you, when you've got to put it in a credit card, you can't afford it. You're, you're borrowing. Wow. And, and that, 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 that's, a, that's a space most of us get caught in. Mm. You know, we, we, we automatically say, I can afford, yeah, well, you can afford the debt. And that, that's not affording. That's insane. Why do you think we don't get this kind of education, though, Mike? Why is our schooling system not focused on educating us around something that is so crucial? Wow. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an area of not my expertise, shall we say. I don't have children, um, out of choice. But, um, you know, I think that what happens is that your, your, school, your schooling or your education system try to provide you a base and a broad enough base where they try and cater a little bit for everybody and things like yeah. that. But I, I firmly believe that there should be something teaching people you know, the science of money. I mean, I'll give you another example of something I came across the other day. I didn't even know it existed in our tax system. There's a thing in this country called turnover tax companies, hmm. okay, for a startup business. Now, there's specific exclusions. You can't do it. Like if you're in media, for example, you can't build your media to it. But if you've got a little company, these things, as long as it doesn't turn over a million rand in a year, Okay, you pay about 3% tax. Hmm. So for your first million bucks, so for somebody who's starting out, okay, who makes, say, three, 400,000 rand with a little business, whatever it may be, a trading business, 
putting it through that business is going to save them a fortune in tax. But nobody talks about it. There's no education on it. There's no... So, yes, there is a space for that, you know, and I don't know who picks up that gap, you know. Is it the universities? Yep, you've got degrees and that sort of thing, but there's... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the financial advisors. We try and do it. We try and give people, you know, as much advice as we can, but um, yeah, maybe the schools should. Um, I just don't know how they do it because it's... The problem is in, in that environment, it's such a dynamic environment that your information, you know, you've got to upgrade every single year. So now we send the teachers, you've got to go back and restudy. They're not being paid enough, so they can't afford it. So it, it's, it's a much bigger question. Um, so I, I don't have the answer. Yes, schools should do it. How we do it, I don't know. Mm. That's yeah, It's one of those things that really you can't really give a definitive answer to, right? Because it's also our spending habits come many times from our homes, how we were yep. raised with money and whether we believe yep. that money was a scarce, you know, thing that you had to hold on to with your life, or it was such a fluid thing that money just comes and goes, you know? And yep. so it's harder to unprogram yourself from that learning, I feel, than it is to pick up yep. new habits, I think. Completely, completely. And, you know, also depending on what part of society you came from, you know, um, you know, you, 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 you know, I learned about black tax. And this freaked me out is that people taking care and you have to, you know, this is a big thing. You know, my, my, in, in my sort of society, we don't have that. We don't, you know, your parents, we take care of them, but not to the extent that, you know, that, that, that the black community is, it, it does. And, you know, th there's nothing, there's no, we don't learn about that at university. You suddenly wake up and go, hang on, these people, this is not a joke. This is something these people need to do and they've got to provide for it and got to create. So now that's a whole different sort, sort of financial planning. It's shorter term because, you know, the grandparents are older and all those different. So, Again, how do you – you've got to get that knowledge and then you've got to start planning for it because, again, it's not just going to come down from, you know, at some point somebody's going to come and wave their wand and give it to you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, it's, it's such a complex topic, I think, is what I'm trying to say, is that there's so many variables. What you've got to sign is, you know, what is my position? What, what works for me? Where do I need to go and then start? But you must start because when you look at it, the mountain is – it's very big, very big. You know, when you think of where you've got to get to, but, but start. If yeah. you don't start, that's when you get in real trouble. So it's more like, you know, an uh, endurance race than it is a sprint. Like you're not trying totally, to Totally, just totally, totally, like totally. Be the Kenyan runner. I'm not built for sprinting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mike, you spoke about, you know, um, your Ironman. I mentioned it a little bit in the beginning. So yeah. you train yeah. for Ironman races. I mean, for yeah. most people, I'm yeah. tired just saying the word. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> when did you get into it? Where did the interest come from? Um, so I had no interest in it. I had friends who'd done it. I used to be a competitive swimmer when I was a kid, so I could swim. But um, a lot of my mates said, oh, you've got to do Ironman, you've got to do Ironman. And I hate running. I really, truly hate running. Mm. So when I moved back from London, I'd led a – an excessive lifestyle in London. So, you know, I was smoking 40 to 50 cigarettes a day and I was drinking every night and horribly overweight. And um, my secretary at the company that I worked with here in South Africa, she said to me the one day, she said, I've entered you for the Nars and a half marathon. I said, are you crazy? I'm going to die. She said, Mike, if you don't run that race, you're going to die. I said, you're going to have a heart attack. And she got me in touch with a, a there's a, a, a company here in Cape Town called Embark, a guy called Steve Atwell, and he takes people from who've never exiled before through and gets them into shape. So he took me through and got me to run the, the Nisner Half Marathon, and I didn't die. And then a month later, he said, listen, we're starting in August. We've got this little thing. It's called a, it's a half Ironman. We start training in August, and you race the half Ironman in January. Would you like to do it? Yeah. I said, okay, let's try it. And then in September, he said, well, you know, you've started for the half. The full Ironman's in April after that. Why don't you just do both? So I said, okay, fine, let's do it. The same sort of thing as I said, you know, the challenge comes and you think, okay, let's find out. And that was a horrible year. It was a year of survival because I'm genetically not supposed to do things like Ironman. You know, I walk around at 105 kilos. People who race triathlons are 75. Mm. Um, but also one of the massive, an amazing growth year, um, you know, just finding out stuff that I just didn't know I could do. And the Ironman was the culmination of all that. You know, they say when you finish the Ironman, the finish line is one of the most intimate spaces you will ever experience because there's no one on the finish line. There's no friends and family allowed. There's no one standing. And as you finish, you come across this line, the enormity, enormity of what you've just done hits you. And, you know, I burst into tears. It was just, you know, I'd had a year and I changed my entire life. So, yeah, it was, it was a big one. Hmm. But, um, but, it, but in that theme, you know, Ironman's been parked now. I want to a new one. So... 
This year's challenge, you know, triathlons have all been cancelled because of COVID. We can't go out and we can't go and do mass participation events. So I picked a new challenge. I've, I've joined a, a boxing gym and I'm learning to box. And the idea is being is that we want to find 28-year-old Mike, me 20 years ago, and do a white collar just to find out. So he will be stronger and faster than me, but um, I've got some experience and I've got some some. Some, some resilience, shall we say. So it's, it's one of those little challenges I've put to myself to go and find this and just see what happens. Oh, that's incredible. Mike, there's a correlation that I'm finding between, you know, how you challenge yourself within your physical body and how yeah. you approach your career. Like, is your pers- does your personal life, in your opinion, does your personal life have to be in sync with your professional life in order to achieve the kind of stuff you've achieved? I think I think I think in sync is a good word, but I think it's about again go back to who you are as a person. You know, this this is who I am. You know, I'm a person who requires challenge, uh, otherwise I stagnate. You know, my, my fiance always says to me, she gets very nervous when I get bored because she wonders that I'm going to go off and do something stupid. Because she said, when I'm getting bored, I'm terrible. You know, when I'm busy, when I'm challenged, when I'm active, that's when I'm at my best. So. It is in sync, but it's not a case of trying to keep them. It's, it's just being who you are, being true to yourself. And that, that, that is who I am. You know, it's, it's always going to be who I am. And it's, it's where I'm most happy and where I'm most comfortable. Hmm. So I'm always going to have that in my life where my business and personal is always going to be about something new, some form of new challenge that's pushing me and trying to learn a bit more about myself. Hmm. And would you say that there's certain like success habits, I'll call them, that you have that you incorporate into your day-to-day life that you find that, I'll say normal people don't do. Um, I get up early, okay. Um, my fiance is on radio. Her show is at five to six in the morning. I get up at half past four with her, and I spend half an hour of time just loading up for the day, not thinking specifically about what I'm going to do. But I, I want to be up. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be lying in bed till seven eight. So I get up and I train every single morning. I start my day with exercise, but that half an hour before, and I just sit, sit with my dogs. Um, and just code in for the day, um, I find really, really beneficial. You know, it's not a social media time. It's just a time of thinking about nothing, shall we say. It's not, you know, I'm not sort of going, okay, here's my task for the day. It's just sitting and just being present and, and getting and loading up for the day. So that's a big one for me in terms of a, a daily habit. Um, I, I'm also very selective in what I take on. I have a, a rule that I only, I only really do things I really want to do. So, you know, if there's something I don't like doing, I'll find somebody else and get them to do it. I'll pay them and employ them. Because I'm, if I don't like doing it, I'm, I'm that kind of person where I just actually I'll do a bad job. So if I focus on things that I'm really good at and really like doing, I'm always going to be really, really efficient. Mm. And, you know, and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to be committed to it. So that's all I fill my life with. Anything else, I, I pass off as fast as possible. I hope my business partner doesn't hear me say that. That's great. That's absolutely great. I love it. Um, and again, it comes back to that self-awareness, right? Like that part of ourselves that sometimes we fight. We end up just fighting that version of ourselves instead of just embracing it and being like, I don't operate my best in this situation, but I know that when I'm optimal, I'm going to do a great job. Well, and so it's about staying well, in that optimal space, right? Exactly. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm optimized, I'm unstoppable. You know, I, I really, it's, it's, it's hard to... You know, it's like a freight train, and it just goes. And you know, when you let it off the leash, it just fires, and it's it's amazing because I'll just go. But when I'm not, it's I, I literally drift off because I'm I get bored. You know, I get disinterested like any other person. But I've learned to identify that and just stay away from anything that that does that to me, because it's also counterproductive to my psyche. Hmm. You know, if I start doing that, it'll it'll affect everything. You know, I've started. I've got that. It goes out of balance in work. It, my, I've suddenly found out I haven't trained in three days because I've, I've I've started to drift. You know, your whole balance system because you're not just being real to, true to yourself. Huh. That's that's very interesting. I like that correlation. And you also work with high net worth individuals, right? Through Carrick Wealth. Yeah. Um, and that this is yeah. the conversation that actually introduced us in the <laughs> because yeah. I mean, for I just want to give a small backstory to people who um, don't know. Uh, so Mike and I were actually at a small gathering, and he was speaking to someone next to me. And I remember it just piqued my ear. Like there was something that you guys were discussing, you know, uh, that piqued my ear. And I just inserted myself into the conversation. 
Um, and I just loved your outlook. I love the fact that firstly, you weren't afraid to challenge. Like, And that's the thing. Like, I think in social situations, people are just so mute and it gets really dull because we all have the pleasantries you know you weren't rude in any way but you would challenge someone's yeah. idea and thoughts and be like but why would you why do you think that like what is that basic yeah. and I just thought this is yeah. great I need to have you on my sorry no go on don't you think we spend so much time doing that marking time and nodding our heads and you know just and, you know, how many times have you just sat there saying, oh, you know, if I, if I told you what I really thought? And, yes. and, and, and then ask yourself, why don't you? Mm. You know, you know, because essentially what you're doing then is you're lying. Think it would make, make it more hectic because you are. You now say, you now say, oh, yeah, no, I agree. You're lying. Lying to yourself. Lying to the person you're talking to. Oh. Yeah, and so you, you want to try, you know, that's one of the things you want to try hard not to be as a liar. That's such a good thing. Mm. So, you know, now speak your truth. And you know what? Sometimes you'll get, and I mean, I look, I've, I've rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, um, a long list, because I, I, I tend to be slightly unfiltered. Um, but, you know, that's who I am, you know, and they'll always have my people always know where they stand, what I think, and, and my truth to something. And it's never out there to offend. It's never out there to ridiculous or belittle, but, you know, I, I have my, my point of view and I'm happy to express it. Mm. Um, and I've learned not to be that fear um, of speaking out. I, I don't have that anymore. And I'm very thankful that I don't. I used to have it. Mm. Okay, you used to. You know? That's almost hard to Yeah, be. yeah. Because yeah. I think like the person yeah. I know now versus, you know, I can't even picture you being filtered. I can't even picture you like, you know, being afraid to speak your mind. When did that change? Yeah. I had a I had a, a sort of an, an epiphany moment in around 2007. I just sold all my businesses in London. Um, I'd had a, I'd had a, I'd had a bit of a burnout as well. I was just done, and um, I spent a year um, learning about Mike, um, learning what got me to the space of burnout. You know, learning what it was that you know who I was and what I wanted to do, and getting that self awareness, getting really in touch with who I am, and it's a it was one of the best things I ever did was invest that year in just learning about myself. You know, I, I just took time off. I didn't work. Um, uh, I had coffee with people. I, I just spent that time just doing things I wanted to do, but really listening to to me and who I was and who I am mm. and um, getting away from anything that was just negative that pulled me down as far as possible. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough time. It's a tough thing to do, but um, so important, you know, mm. and it's, it's a, and you don't have to do it as extremely as I did. I mean, I, I tend to do everything extremely. You know, to take a whole year off. But, you know, spend that time. Do that half hour in the morning where you listen to yourself. You'll wake up in the morning and your body, your mind, will first thing will jump on the thing that you shouldn't have done yesterday. It's the first thing you'll think of every time. It'll grab you and go, hey, you know what? That thing we did yesterday, not so good. Mm. And, you know, just listen to it. And then, and then check in and say, well, why did I do it? You know, and just examine it, not not from a sense of feeling bad or feeling good, or just just want to find out why. And every now and again, you'll you'll learn something, you know, mm -hmm. as to something about yourself that you know. And then suddenly, you don't have to have, have, end up having to do those things anymore because you know you get rid of that fear. Jeez, I mean, it's actually intense taking a year and committing it to self. And when you think yeah. about how much people will spend to not have to spend time alone, whether that's on friends, whether that's on, you know, drugs, whether that's on whatever it is to escape themselves and taking mm. that and actually spending time with yourself and saying, who am I? Because every human being's got wounding in some way, right? All of us have like either an, an, like something where we feel we're not worthy, you know, we're not good enough, we're not lovable, whatever it may be and wherever it may stem from that causes this like thing within us that we have a barrier to ourselves and i think that's why we yeah. do become so faltered in public settings yeah. right it's like yeah. i don't yeah. know if I, this is my opinion so i can't really say yeah. that, you know yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. self that actually allows you the confidence to be able to articulate yeah. yourself in a, a, a way that's not disrespectful but that is still your truth yeah yeah and, but, I mean, I just, just touched on something. which You said there, a year is an extreme thing to invest in learning about yourself. Mm. Try investing a whole life into not learning. Try investing a whole life into never accessing that, mm. into never speaking your truth, into never letting, you know, never, let, never even letting yourself know 
how you feel. Never being honest with yourself. Mm. That, that's extreme. Mm. Spent investing a whole life into never being the person you should have been. Mm. You know, that, 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 that would really ruin my day. <laughs> yeah, that gave me chills. <laughs> that gave me so many chills. And I feel like it gave me chills because in reality, Mike, you are a part of the achievers in society, right? You are part of the group of people that just like, you know, your Jeff Bezos, your Elon Musk, your, your people who do things in the world, you know, you just, they have like this energy. And we whoa, 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 whoa. As, as defined by what? You, no, Money? just defined on like how you go through life. I'm not even defining it based on necessarily just, you know, uh, the businesses necessarily. I'm defining it more on the sense of that self-investment, that willingness to bet on yourself and that willingness to target a goal and really go for it. You know, I think so yeah. many people are afraid of that. So many people don't, they, they want it on a, like, you know, on a heart space. They're like, I really want this. They can sit down with you and say, Mike, I really want this, but they don't yeah. want it, you know, because there's just so much attached to it, you know? So it's... Or, or, or again, we go back to something, it's just here. Mm. And it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's, I'm so boring in saying the same thing, but that's all it is. Mm. And as soon as you recognize that and say, hey, you know, I'm just going to do it afraid. You'll break it. So when you say achievers, you know, achievers, the measurements that societies use to say what is an achievement, what is a good thing, or in my opinion, probably usually bullshit, okay, because it's, it's, it's usually it's external superficial things. You know, I, you know I, there's a, you know, through one of our charities, I've seen, you know, a woman raising three kids with which she's got no job. That, that's an achievement. You know, I, I couldn't do that. I'd run for the hills. So, you know, let's let's get away from you know achievement of saying we all want to be these all these 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 super characters. I mean, most of them are narcissistic bastards. So, who you are as yourself and what you can be, those you know, achievement is 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 that's a just you know getting out away from your fear. It's the biggest achievement you can ever make, and it beats anything that most of these big names will ever do. It beats anything most of them will ever do. Just being true to yourself, breaking your fear, and, and doing it afraid, and going out and just taking that first step. So far ahead of anything else, it's worth twenty Rolexes. You know, it's it, 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 uh, like to me that 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 gives me serious, like gives me serious good vibes. Mm. You know, um, the the rest of the stuff is just, you know, it, it, it doesn't last. It doesn't mean anything. Mm. Um, and what people always think is, I can't be that. But what you forget is what you can be. You know, forget what you call what can you be? Those are all those those talents we spoke about earlier that are sitting there waiting, knocking on the door, saying, Hey, let me out. Hmm. Wow. And this is actually the exact conversation we were kind of having, which was exactly yeah. that, right? Do we define goodness based on wealth? How do you define what a good person is versus what a bad person is, right? Because I think yeah. the conversation had then leaned to uh, someone saying, Oh, you you invest money for all these high net worth individuals, which means you must run into a lot of bad people. And that's yeah. when you said, Well, how do you define yeah. bad and good? And so, yeah. and so I was like, ooh, this is my kind of conversation. And Mike, I want to ask Get you. Get your beer and popcorn. Here we go. <laughs> you know, because what do you define actually as bad and good? Like in your definition of what is someone, if I had to come to you and say, Mike. The person you're working with is a terrible person. You know, how would you like say, like, what are your metrics for someone you're willing to work with and someone you're not? I, th I think the first thing that you've got to you've got to get into is that you know everybody has a bad day. Okay. We don't know, and you don't usually know what's happened in that person's day that day. And and that's the first, you know, people would say, oh, so and so is just so terrible, but their dad died that, that morning. You, you don't know. Okay, that's the thing. So, you know, for me, good and bad, first of all, it's not my place to judge. I don't get to say, hey, you're a good or a bad person. You know, if, look, if you're going to kill a whole lot of people, then I'm probably not going to be that much when I hang out with you and be your friend. But I, I don't get that right to judge. I don't think anybody gets a right to judge anybody. Mm. I don't think you have that right. Um, but I think what you've got to do is you've got to say, you know, is, is that person real? Are they true to themselves? You know, are they giving you the best representation they can? So if I've got somebody at work, you know, are, are they giving it their all? You know, have I done everything I can? My business partner always said to me, before we fire somebody, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, 100%, have you done everything you can to make them succeed? Mm. Usually I can't, you can't say yes. 
have you done everything you can to bring out the best in that person? Have you given everything you, as opposed to what did they do? They didn't do enough. They didn't, what have you done? Did you create the space? So, you know, to go out and say, hey, they're bad or they're good or that, I don't think that's the question. Go back to yourself. What did you do? Because that's the person you're responsible to. You know, everybody else is just, you know, Candace, if you're a good, bad, rich, poor, whatever person, my life will be the same. My life will be the same. No matter what. What I do will change and influence my life. So that's what I've got to be worried about. Mm. You know, I can choose. What I can do, the one thing I can do is decide who I associate with. And that's just generally about, you know, people I like and don't like, like all of us. I try, I try and associate with people who help me think, make me grow, you know, so they, they, they add to my life as opposed to take away from it. And I've, I've cut some pretty significant people out of my life who were damaging. You know, I found that every time they were in my life, it was just damaging to my soul. So I removed them. So, you, you know, so that, that's the choices you can take, but that, again, is about being true to yourself, not about that person. You know, it's about being who you are. Hmm. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much sense like I was just like you you like transported my mind I was just like yep wisdom 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 <laughs> and I love that because it does come back to what it seems like is your core value which is like you can only control you right everyone else yeah. is just an extension of your external environment but how you show yeah. up how you decide and I think it also do you, do you think would you believe that when you are responsible for yourself then you make better judgments on those around you. So not judgments in sense of like you bad, you this, but you not good for me, you know? So whether yeah. you're good out yeah. there or you're not good out there, in my life, yeah. you don't serve as yeah. an influence, right? Completely, completely. And, 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 that's, and that's where it gets back to, you know, we talked about being able to say that to somebody. You know, it's also that space to be able to say, you know, there's one of the things that if I said to you right now, so you know what, I, I actually don't care about that. Something you told me. People go, beg your pardon, you can't say that. But I don't. I don't have time. I don't have the space right now, so I can't devote any energy to it. Mm. Can, can you imagine if we were that frank with each other? People would get offended left, right, and center, but that's actually the most amazing thing to give someone and say, hey, you know what? For this, I can't be there right now. I can't give you that caring you need right now. I can't generate that energy for you right now. Or I actually don't want to. Or I don't want to. Oh, you're horrible. You mean, no, I just, I don't choose to give it to you. There's lots of other things I can give you energy on. That, no. So now, you know, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's harsh, but it's the truth. Because what happens when you don't tell somebody that, you won't actually give them the energy anyhow. Now they'll be expecting you that you should have done something. Then they'll get angry and you'll say, oh, they're a bad person. Oh, man, that like just hit mark on because I'm currently on a journey of you know getting to know myself and also establishing boundaries and learning when yeah. I want to say no and when I want to say yes and there's this great book yeah. it's called um what is it um it's something I completely forgot it now but I'll put it in the link and basically what he speaks about is when you it's if something is not a hell yes to you it's a no and so how he puts yeah. it is if you are saying yes to things you know you don't have the emotional, financial, whatever it is, capacity for, what you're essentially doing is you're saying no to yourself. And therefore, what you're yeah. saying is I will always prioritize others before I prioritize me. And even though it yeah. seems self-sacrificial and it seems like, oh, I'm, be I'm being this righteous person, when you're in your grave, no one's going to say, oh, my gosh, you know, she died because she was trying to say, people are going to be like, why did she wear herself out? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or what's even saddest, they probably won't say anything at all because they'll always carry on with their lives. Oh. And you'll have done it, and, and you'll have done it all for nothing. Mike, you are like, honestly, I need to. What happens? I mean, oh. obviously, when people die, people don't do that. They sit down, they go, hey, I miss him, and I'm so sad. They don't go, oh. You know, he just spent his life doing the wrong thing. They don't do that. They just move on. It's very sad, but it's true. So all that stuff that you do, nobody cares except you. Uh, so do the things you care about. You know, if, if you're the only person who cares, so make sure it's something you care about. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Do you have a future in motivational speaking by any chance? Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's the next version. I don't know. It's the next version of the. It should be stage. in your back know. pocket. Put it in your back <laughs> pocket. Just, just another one of those things I'm adding to your hat of tricks. You know. <laughs> thank you thank you it's a very nice compliment thank you no but mike seriously i mean i just looked at the time and i was like holy camoli like there's so much like literally i've just got a list of things i really wanted to ask you but i'm like actually i actually just want to get you back i really want you to come back because i think you're just such a wall of wisdom and you're someone who's just you share so generously of yourself and it's just such a beautiful thing to be a part of in a conversation so thank you i want to say th no thank you I want to say thank you. <laughs> I mean, that interview was everything I hoped for and so much more. There were so many questions I wanted to ask Mike and there were so many things that I was like, okay, we're going to go in this direction. But as usual, I love letting the conversation flow and steer us where it needs to. Mike dropped so many gems of wisdom. Number one, I will be waking up 30 minutes earlier. That is for sure. Dedicating time to getting to know yourself. That was such a big standout for me. And probably, you know, the part where he speaks about really knowing yourself well enough to know when you can say yes and when you want to say no. Oh my goodness. Those were just some of the standouts of the interview for me. But let me know what were yours because I know there were a lot. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to this incredible conversation. And I look forward to coming to you next week.